Hello and welcome to episode 27 of Late Night Linux Extra. I'm Joe. I'm Chris. And I'm Gary. So welcome back, guys. It's good to have you. Maybe we're going to make this a bit of a regular thing. We'll maybe do a couple more, see how it goes. We've had a little bit of feedback from people. The first one is from Mike, and he says, You all mentioned that you use traditional GTK desktops. Why don't you use Plasma or GNOME or even a tiling window manager? So, Gary, you use Zubuntu, right? Yeah, I do, yeah. And Chris, you use Ubuntu Mate. Yeah. And I use Zubuntu. So why don't we use Plasma or GNOME or a tiling window manager? For me, I think it goes back to when I started out with Linux. I never had a decent machine. So I tried running old school, you know, GNOME 2 Ubuntu for a bit, then switched to Kubuntu, and then KDE 4 came out and it was a bit heavy. And that was around the time that Unity came out. That was still a bit too heavy for the machine I had. So tried out XFCE and kind of stuck with it ever since. So I guess it's more out of habit and being a bit of a Luddite than anything else. Yeah, I'm I'm a bit similar to Gary in that I didn't have particularly powerful computers at the beginning. And I went from Linux Mint Cinnamon, then I switched to the XFCE edition, then I switched to Zubuntu for a little bit, and then I switched to Mate. I never tried GNOME. I've never run GNOME as a daily driver. I've booted it once or twice. Now I have a touchscreen tablet that I use it on because touch is just better. And I've got one machine, which I recently tried Plasma on, but I don't know. I just feel comfortable. It's like a comfortable pair of shoes. Uh, In the last week, I've set up three people dual booting Linux and they've gone for Ubuntu Mate for two of them and Cinnamon Mint for the other one. And there's just enough. There's not too many settings. One of the things I like about Plasma that I've been trying is it has lots of settings, but with the three people I've just sat with, I got Ventoy and I demoed. And when I showed them the Plasma settings, they were like, no, that's not for me. That's too much. There's too much in one place. (laughs) And Ubuntu Mate has the control center and Ubuntu has a similar thing. That's just enough. It has the things they need to configure if they want to. They're probably not going to touch much of that. And I know that you can install Plasma without changing anything very much and it just functions. But there's just something about it which is too much complexity and like I say I have installed it on a new machine to try and I've set myself a little mini target so for the next LTS if it's won me over I might do fresh installs of the next LTS with it but I don't know well it's not won me over yet and I'm still attached to Marte. Yeah I tried Plasma on my media machine and I talked about it on the main show and I just it just annoyed me and a few little things about it annoyed me and trying to find settings for stuff no matter what i wanted to change there was a way to do it but it just felt like digging through endless menus to find it and um again i just always i've tried out everything going but i just always find myself putting the comfortable pair of slippers that is ubuntu back on yeah for me i tried plasma a couple of years ago and it was it was fine but i think i just I need something that gets out of my way to be a desktop. And XFCE does a really good job of that. If I can press the super key, type the name of an app, and it opens, then I'm happy. I care more about the applications I'm running rather than the desktop that's sitting around them. And I don't need all of the complexity of Plasma or GNOME in order to hit the super key, open an application, and occasionally switch between them. Well, two things about that. The super key by default doesn't bring up the whisker menu. Yeah, well, that's, that's the one setting I change when I install it. I go and 
edit that so that the super key changes it rather than control escape. Wow, today I learned after all these years. <laughs> just close to show, eh? The other thing is that aren't you describing GNOME there that it just gets out of your way? There's no settings to change hardly and you can just get on with what you want to do with it. But I don't need all of the graphical niceties that GNOME comes with. I just want something where there is a single taskbar along the bottom. It has an app list and that's it. I don't need fancy animations when changing windows or multiple workspaces even. I've got three displays. I just need something where there's a list of windows, I can open the applications I need, and that's it. What about tiling window managers then? Have you ever tried them? I haven't tried any specific tiling window managers. I tend to tile my windows on the display I have, so I'll quite often have like four quadrants, but I also I've gotten very used to just using keyboard shortcuts for that. So I've never really seen the need or desire for me particularly to try something like i3 or regolith. I've never had a tiling window manager for any length of time. I played around in some VMs with um, the Manjaro spin of i3 with i3 is quite good because it's very handholdy. I think it's either the wallpaper or there's a conky with all of the shortcuts that you would need to kind of onboard you to get used to it. But I know that you can get hybrid tiling floating window managers and things like that, but I'm just used to being able to choose when I want to flip between them. Like a bit like Gary, I have the keyboard shortcuts under my fingers for tiling out windows or flipping workspaces and stuff, and that's fine. But sometimes I do want to be able to use a more traditional floating window manager paradigm and get the mouse, like sometimes. It depends what your workflow is as well. For example, I have uh, some programming friends who, depending on what they're working on, they love a tiling window manager because there's no distractions and they can just keep carving up the space and bringing things up and they're on top of the keyboard shortcuts. And I can totally see why you would really like that if you're in a specific frame of mind or frame of working. But it just it's just not something that I've ever needed a lot to do. Yeah, it's similar for me. If I was doing one specific thing all day, every day, I could see that maybe, you know, I'd want half a screen terminal and half a screen of a text editor or something like that. But for my particular workflow, I'm in and out of, you know, several different sets of tasks that I'm doing each day. And a tiling window manager, I just don't think for me would lend itself to that. I think the reason I don't use a tiling window manager is that I'm not willing to invest the time to learn how to use it and how to set it up in the first place because I've tried a few and I get it. I do understand the power of a tiny window manager, but it takes that investment. If you are willing to invest that time and set it up just how you like it, it can be this amazingly powerful experience, but I just don't have the time to invest in that. And maybe that's bad. Maybe I should do. Maybe it would be worth the investment of time for the time it would then subsequently save me. But I'm just, again, I come back to Zubuntu. It's just that comfortable pair of slippers and I just love it. Yeah, agreed. I just see, I see the attraction, but I don't think I'm going to be switching. As I say, I might switch to Plasma if it wins me over. I put it on a MacBook Air from 2012, which is triple booting, and I'm going to carry in my bag when I'm doing support because it means I have all three OSs available for whatever I need to do. So we'll see if during that usage it wins me over, then... I might, but it's early days. Yeah, same for me. I'm going to stick with what I know, I think. 
I've been running XFCE for the best part of six or seven years now. I can't see me investing the time to change. Do you worry the two of you? Because today, Sean has posted a blog post about, um, was it 2110 and what they're doing? And it's spread across uh, GTK 2.3 and preparing for 4. And do you worry that it's going to get pulled apart too much because of the slow pace of development? I do worry that Sean doesn't have time for it and doesn't have the inclination for it. I, in fact, talked to him on this very show about it. And it was worrying that, you know, he's looking to move on to helping out with elementary OS. And, you know, he really set out the reasons why, and they made a lot of sense to me, but it did worry me. I hope not, because it was fine for a while when it was stuck on GTK 2. There were some weird anomalies with GTK 3 applications that didn't look quite right and stuff, but ultimately it didn't force me away from it. If I'm honest, I would probably end up switching to Mate and replicating the panel layout I have in XFCE because it has that nice balance of being a traditional desktop paradigm, but also I guess the maintainers have a bit more time than Sean does. So it tends to adopt the modern technologies a little bit more readily, but still somewhat feels like that traditional desktop paradigm. Yeah, that's what, when I said I had a short burst of using Ubuntu, that's because I was on Linux Mint XFCE. When I saw Ubuntu Mate, which I'd not really tried much before, that was why I just wanted a little bit more development of things. And that's why I eventually settled on it. I did try actually when 2004 was first released, I tried Ubuntu on my main laptop and there was a lock screen bug. Basically, I would go and open the lid and it wouldn't ask me for a password or anything. There was something to do with the locking mechanism. And it just, I just flipped to Mate again. (laughs) Then I've just stuck ever since. Okay, this episode is sponsored by CBT Nuggets, training for IT professionals or anyone looking to build IT skills. Go to cbtnuggets.com slash late night Linux and sign up for a seven day free trial. The on-demand virtual labs mean you can build practical experience with the commands, config, scripts, and everything you need to get the most out of each course. Another standout feature is the accountability coaching service, available to all learners with a subscription, which gives you access to a real person who will help you craft a personalized learning plan and set goals, and will check in with you to keep you accountable. So start your free seven-day trial today at cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. It includes unlimited access to all course materials, including virtual labs. That's cbtnuggets.com slash late-night-linux. Okay, Designated Duff on Twitter said, In episode 26 of Late Night Linux Extra, Unify alternatives were discussed without any mention of Mikrotik. I've seen this repeatedly on YouTube as well. Why? Now, we got this same question when we talked about it on Two and a Half Admins as well. So, uh, I think it was you, Chris, talking about it. So, why have you never gone for Mikrotik? It's just really old-fashioned in its configuration. The hardware is very often very, very well-priced. It's very cheap. It comes out of Latvia. And I know that a lot of um, like what they call WISPs, so ISPs that wirelessly piggyback off other bigger ISPs in like the African continent and some Far Eastern countries use a lot of the equipment. So I'm not like saying it's rubbish. It's just, 
if you go to Google Images and search for Winbox, which is the most used configuration utility, which is a Windows-only utility you can run with Wine, it looks like you're configuring Windows 95 and there's endless nested menus. If you know your way around it, it's fine. But I don't want to have to be dealing with that. I also don't want to then have to use the CLI. The web configuration doesn't work very well. If you're a network administrator or you want to become one in your own time with that kind of gear, that's fine. But when I use Unify only for Wi-Fi access points and the deployment, especially if you're deploying multiple sites in using one controller to flip between them, for the price, which is free for the controller, which other things you'd be paying for that on top of the hardware and the hardware being relatively cheap, that's why I use Unify. And I don't use it for routers either. I use uh, PFSense or OpenWRT most of the time. It's just a horrible UI. I'm sorry. Like, there's no way around that. Go and find on Y Combinator. There's hundreds of people that agree with me. It's just extremely powerful hardware. If you get around the configuration, it's great. But the configuration looks like a computer from 20 years ago. And that put me off. And I think it puts a lot of people off. I do use Unify for my Edge device, but that's purely only because at home I don't want to deal with stuff and I'm a bit lazy. But I do also travel with a Micratic HAP Lite, which is a 20 quid wireless N router that is USB powered. And it's pretty powerful for what it is. So I do travel with one of those. I uplink that off of whatever hotel Wi-Fi that I'm on because I'm traveling relatively frequently for work. And it just does an IPsec tunnel back to my house, basically. So I do travel with one of those. And the other exposure I've had to the Micratic stuff is that in a previous job, I used to run a pair of them for effectively what was a backup tunnel into a cloud provider. And yeah, I kind of agree with Chris. They worked really well. It was really good hardware. They were really stable. And I think these were eight-port rack mount routers that were actually pretty good for what they were. And I think they were only about 150, 200 quid each. So putting two of them in a rack was nothing for a backup connection in a medium-sized business. But yeah, it was the configuration of them was a real pain. And we ended up bypassing that by effectively just using Ansible to write the configuration for them and bypassing the UI completely. Okay, a lot of people, including James, asked about my setup because Chris and Gary, you talked about yours, but I didn't really talk about mine. The reason is that mine's pretty shonky, to be honest, and not very complicated. It's just a what I call the NAS, which is uh, an old Celeron Media PC. It's like a passively called, totally silent, very low power x86 machine. And it only has two SATA ports. So I had to get a PCIe card to add some more SATA ports to it. And I've just kind of added disks to it over the years. And it's it's pretty much just held together with gaffer tape and glue at this point. It's got a pair of, I think, six or eight terabyte, very cheap SMR disks in it, in a ZFS mirror. And that's like my main pool. And then I've got another disk, which is just a single disk pool. And then I've got another USB disk and the performance on it's terrible, but I'm mostly writing to it over Wi-Fi, so it doesn't really matter. Like I can get over the land, like maybe 50 or 60 megabytes per second written to disk or even read out of it. So it's, you know, it's very much low performance, but I'm not really bothered about that. It's pretty low power consumption. 
And then I've got a Raspberry Pi, which is next to my studio booth, which is a cupboard really. But anyway, uh, with a 10 terabyte disk attached to that, that there's various R-Sync jobs, copy stuff to that. And, you know, I have backed up to the cloud, like the very bare essentials of what I would need to do my shows, like the music and stuff like that. But other than that, it's just a really straightforward setup, really. It's, it's not that interesting. Right, well, we'd better get out of here then. Before we do, just to thank you to everyone who supports us with PayPal and Patreon. We really do appreciate that. You can go to latenightlinux.com slash support if you want to find out more about that. Remember, for $5 or more per month on Patreon, you can get an advert-free RSS feed. So check that out. And if you want to get in contact with us, latenightlinux.com slash contact. So we'll be back in a couple of weeks when who knows what we'll be talking about. But until then, I've been Joe. I've been Chris. And I've been Gary. See you later.